What is going on, all you constant listeners out there in the multiverse? You are listening to the Earth-16 Comics Wire podcast. I'm your host, Brian from Earth-16, and in this episode, I'll be chatting with comic book writer Pat Murphy on his new comic, Echoes of the Triumphant. Stay tuned, peeps. It is Wednesday, January the 26th, 2021. I hope that all of you are doing awesome. So um, in this episode, I chat with Pat Murphy about his comic, Echoes of the Triumphant, which is currently being funded on Kickstarter. And this comic is a really interesting comic. Um, I actually read it. And it's about... So pretty much it's about this um, MMA fighter. He has the world on... He's like on top of the world. He has the entire world ahead of him. His future's ahead of him. Everything's going bright um, for him. He is dominating in the sport of MMA until one day a freak accident happens in the city that he lives in. I think it's called Echo City. And it involves a power plant and everything just goes completely wrong. It's like a chemical plant, actually not a power plant. Excuse me. I, I stand corrected. A chemical plant. And an accident happens at this chemical plant and all the stuff from the chemical plant spreads in the city and some people die and some people get affected by, you know, their appearance gets altered and they get like these um, unique powers. Now, the main character, the MMA fighter, Adrian, that's his name, survives the ordeal, but um, he pretty much feels like he loses everything. He doesn't, he's no longer able to fight in MMA. And he's forced to get a nine to five job. And one day he um, he just his feelings um, about just not being able to fight anymore, not being able to do mixed martial arts, get the better of him. And he gets into um, a tweak, uh, tweaks face. That's what they call tweaks. Um, and tweaks are basically the people that were infected by the radiation. So he gets in his tweaks face and. This um this one general, this one um character comes up to him and stands up to him, tells him, "Listen, dude, you need to back off." And Adrian picks a fight with this guy, and only to find out that this guy is a tweak himself. So Adrian gets beat up, but then all of a sudden he has a change of heart um, when another tweak comes up to him and heals him of his injuries, and he starts to become more open-minded. He starts to actually look at tweaks from a different light. And realize that tweaks are people also. So throughout the story, you see him have this change of heart and to, to start defending the tweaks more. And overall, I thought it was an amazing comic. It taught, you know, it just shows an acceptance of others and just having an open mind. And yeah, so I thought it was I thought that was one of the amazing, most powerful things about the comic. And the art is really awesome too, as well. So I talked to Pat about a whole lot of that, and we talked so much more about other comics as well. And just overall, a really fun conversation. 
So without further ado, let's head over to the radio waves of Earth-16 and chat with Pat Murphy. What's going on, everyone out there in the multiverse? You are listening to the Earth-16 Comics Wire podcast. I am your host, Brian from Earth-16, and... Today, I have um, Patrick Murphy as my guest. He is the creator behind Echoes of the Triumphant um, comic. Patrick, how's it going today? Good, how are you? I'm just uh, holding up in this crazy world we're living in. Oh yeah, tell me about it. Um, this pandemic has been ongoing for almost pretty much a year right now, um, yeah. which is a pretty long time. It feels like yesterday since it all started. Yeah, yeah it's like, uh, I haven't been to work in about 10 months so it's wow. gonna be weird when um all this uh when everybody's vaccinated and things will go back to normal it'll be like a really weird thing oh yeah it'll be like a it'll just be like another shock like oh you know because like when the pandemic started it was just funny like everyone staying home and like fra- practically everything being empty i mean if you look at like las vegas for instance which is like a city that never sleeps it's like it's like something out of the twilight zone you you know yeah. just empty everything is just you know, I mean, it's just like quiet. And yep. even for, with my um, Los Angeles, my home city where I used to live, um, you know, there was a time where there was like no smog in the air and it was just a weird sight to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just so crazy. And like, I just see so many like small businesses just going under and um, it's just, it's, uh, I, I just wonder like what what life is going to be like after all this is this is over. Oh yeah, and be like a new world. Absolutely, and you know I actually did an interview with um, Samurai Comics in um, Phoenix where I live right now, um, and I spoke to the owner. And yeah, the the you know the pandemic has you know really of course affected the comic book industry. You heard what happened with Diamond Distributors and yeah. all that. Yeah, you know it's just it's affected a whole lot of industry. Yeah. At the same time, though, it's like it's really interesting because like um, obviously like the pandemic is horrible. Um, A lot of people um, are like having a lot of health problems and unfortunately people are are passing away. But like at the same time, it's amazing to see like how far technology has come because, you know, um, at my job at the government, I was trained completely online and remotely. And um, you just see a lot of people in the comics industry. They're they're using they're that, moving, yeah. Yeah, they're moving more towards like the digital side of things, and um, it's. I think the one. I don't. I don't want to say like there's a good thing that came out of this pandemic, but like one of the most craziest things I've just noticed is that like, you just realize like how far technology has come. And that's the, yeah, I totally agree with that too, because I spoke to another creator um, about a year ago and we talked about the same thing. He was saying that how independent, independent comics has come, you know, has pretty much become more, you know, recognized right now because of the, in a way, because of the pandemic and how, you know, basically, you know, some of them are not tied to even these distributors. Like they can just like print out their stuff and boom, you know, it's, it's there for everyone to see and even digital comics too um and yeah that's you know pretty much it's gained more recognition because of the pan in a sense because of the pandemic so not to you know of course say the pandemic is a good thing you know obviously it's, yeah, it's yeah, not exactly. but you know in a you know it's in a sense it's kind of helped out too yeah yeah it's um it's just a crazy thing like uh 
Yeah, uh, I, I think one of the coolest things too is that like you could, like me as an independent artist, like I could work with somebody from from a different side of the world. Like I can I can hire an artist and like like me in particular, I'm working with an artist and uh, he lives in Australia, and so the fact that I could like actually work with a guy who's in a different country um, is amazing to me. Like you couldn't do that like like a couple decades ago. So yeah. Oh no, definitely not. And that's, you know, yeah, that's one of the cool things about technology too, is just that you can work with anyone from anywhere and almost, almost in a sense, anyone too, you know, in terms of time and all that. So yeah, it's, you know, yeah, a lot of interesting things is coming out. I mean, and the way I see it though, is just that, you know, I don't, you know, I try not to like, you'll know, be all downcast about it. I mean, I just think it's opportunity in the sense, you know, not to sound, yeah. you know, cynical or anything, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, find, you know, just it's just basically just trying to find those opportunities, you know, time to create, time to like actually, you know, especially since, you know, we don't have like all the luxuries, I like to say, you know, mm -hmm. that we had, you know, pre-pandemic where we can go to the movies or go to yeah. a restaurant and just, you know, chow down. Though, I mean, I would say in some places it's a little, it's a little different, but for the, mo for the most part, I mean, since... The pandemic came about i mean people have a, had an opportunity have a rare opportunity to actually reset i feel and actually do the stuff that they actually want to do stuff that exactly you know was on their you know it's just a scratch stuff on their list so I think hmm? oh yeah i was just i was just gonna say it's it's um um i think what was kind of interesting this past year was that like i like everybody else had like a time to like reflect like um, oh yeah like you couldn't do anything you couldn't go out to a restaurant or go out to a movie and so what do you love to do besides like you know sit back and like you know take a look at yourself and think back on like how your whole life played out and so funnily enough like I think that kind of helped me out as an as an artist so um yeah I guess that's another interesting thing yeah, definitely. And speaking of, you know, being an artist and all that, like, um, what got you into comic books or graphic novels? So, so for me, um, I was a huge um, X-Men uh, fanatic when I was about like 11 or 12 years old. So I started out watching the X-Men animated series. Oh, yes. Uh, 1992, man. Those were the yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait. Um, no, sorry. The, the other X-Men and not 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 the x-men animated series but like the other one where they had like the debut of uh x-23 oh x-men evolution yeah that was another good evolution. one there you go yeah yeah that was the one because i was born in 96 so ah, okay um, yeah that was the that was the x-men animated series to me so um yeah i just i just fell in love with it um i really i really loved uh daredevil growing up i think he's like absolutely like the best comic book character um like in, in all of comics i think he's like one of the, i think he's this is a bold statement but i think he's the best character in all of marvel and dc to me at least because um that's interesting first, yeah like when i first came across the character like it was just so amazing to me that like the guy was blind right and, he's, and he like, could fight <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so yeah i mean like he's just like a such a multi-layered character he's got like all those dichotomies you know he's blind yet he can see better than everybody else like he's a lawyer yet he's a vigilante um 
like he's a Catholic yet he dresses up as the devil. And so um, he's just like so layered and just really interesting to me. So um, I definitely, I always go back to like reading Daredevil. So um, that's awesome, actually. You know, I never even thought of Daredevil that way. I mean, he's one of my favorites too in Marvel. I mean, just because, you know, as someone who has a disability, I mean, I have high functioning autism, you know, like that's an, he's a he's a true inspiration. He's he's pretty much yeah. up there with Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, Oracle. Yeah. You know, just the fact that you know they're they're reminders that you know you can't really let a disability you know bring you down or or a disability like preclude you from doing things. Like you can still make a difference, and especially exactly. with Daredevil and Barbara Gordon, like it's amazing what they can do. And how you mentioned also the daredevil being a dichotomy that he dresses up like a devil, a devil, but yet he's a guardian exactly. and that he's a vigilante and yet he's a lawyer. And yeah. actually, have you read the latest um, run on daredevil? I mean, I haven't though, but I heard it's been pretty good. Like, you know, where he's like, he's basically in prison right now. And then Electra is pretty much taking on the mantle while he's out, while he's in, you know? Yeah. So that, that was the run by Chip Zdarsky. Um, I, I read it up to the point where Daredevil, um, can I can I talk about the spoilers? Uh, you know, go ahead, shoot. And just so you know, listeners, if you haven't read Daredevil yet, just yeah. turn off the podcast right now and go read it. <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, um, I was about to say, like, I, I read up to the point where, like, um, he says to the public as Daredevil, you know, well, I, I killed a man. So a little explainer on that, like, uh, earlier, even before Chip Sadarski's run, Daredevil gets hit by a truck, he goes into rehabilitation, and then he goes out as Daredevil, but he finds himself very out of practice. And so he's stopping like a couple muggers and he kicks this one mugger. And this um, this guy, he uh, gets a lot of head force trauma and he dies oh, wow. as, as, yeah, he dies as, as a result of it. And um, so that's on Daredevil's conscience, like that he accidentally took somebody's life. And, um, you know, the thing about Chip Zdarsky's run is that, like, there's, like, a really big realistic and real-world um, take on, like, the superhero genre in his run. Because, like, um, like, like I said, like, he, he just kicked somebody and that person died. And, you know, that's a real thing that people have to realize, like, when, like, you know, like, there's been some boxers that have entered into the ring. And they haven't stepped out, like as a result of um, uh, just head force trauma, and um, that's that's the real ramifications of violence. That's the real reality of it. And like, um, so the fact that it, like he added that layer into his run just made it like really distinct from uh, a lot of the other series that I was reading. So um, that's what I love about Daredevil. Like, there's just it's a world where there's like a lot of consequences and um, like, there's just, um, there's a lot of gray areas. So like, yeah. 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 yeah that's you know, wow. You know, that's, yeah, that's like a lot of the fact that that's why the one thing I like about comics like Daredevil too, and like Batman also, is just that it's a reminder that, you know, especially the dark stories are a reminder that there's so many gray areas. It's not all rainbows and unicorns. Exactly. And we're starting to see a whole lot of that in comics too, especially with the whole secret identity thing. It's like, you know, do we even really need a secret identity right now? Because if you read the um, Superman run on Mike, with Michael Ben, Michael Ben, Brian Bendis, um, 
he actually had Clark Kent pull up Peter Parker and expose his identity to the world. And okay. yeah, I don't know if you, have you read that? No, sorry, I haven't read that one. Yeah, and it was just, it was just like, dang, you know, and like, not a lot of, I mean, it's really mixed. Some fans are cool about it. Some fans are not so happy about it. And the fact that he aged Superman's son too, which I'll admit I'm not really a, a big fan of. But you know, it, it's just coming. To, it just comes to show that that gray area where it's just like our secret identity is even a thing anymore. I mean, to some degree, I guess they could be. I mean, if you want to protect, if the hero wants to protect his or her loved ones, but yeah. but they, when it comes to the loved ones accepting the fact that yeah, you know, then we may have to you know run into danger or so. I mean, that's kind of being thrown out of the you know out of the window. That is true. Um, yeah, I never really thought of it that way. Like for me, like Superman as a character, like, um, sorry, I, I guess I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but like for me, what makes like Superman very important, like if you read like, I think the best Superman story is All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison. Oh, Grant Morrison, that's that's yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, and so like the, the one that like, the one panel that's the one page that stood out to me the most was that like he has three days to live and he spends that time helping people out and you know he like in his last days he just goes up to this young lady who's thinking about taking her own life oh yeah just, that was like, a powerful he just stands by her and gives her a hug and yeah yeah he just gives her a hug and says you know you're a lot um you know you're a lot stronger than you think you are and that to me that's like what kind of makes him as a character very important like especially in this day and age so um yeah yeah i mean yeah i, I haven't read like the brian michael bendis run um but um i mean like i guess i'm okay i'm okay with him like revealing his identity just so long as like that character is still there like as long as you know brian michael bendis understands who superman is like i think he does understand the character a lot and so um as long as he's just true to the character like um i'd say i'm fine with it yeah i'm totally you know because like in the end of the day i'm a superman fan i mean i you know superman has been one of my actually he's been my favorite hero ever since childhood you know and just so much that you know i can relate to him and like how i mean a lot of people some fans actually say that he's not relevant per se though but i think he is and, you know just Learning about self-acceptance, especially the Smallville version of Superman, Tom Willing, definitely my favorite. Yeah. You know, just a reminder of loving yourself, accepting yourself, and accepting others. Yeah. And I, I've noticed that I've, you know, that when I read your comic, Echoes of the Triumphant, um, I've, I've noticed a whole lot of that too, of just like being open-minded and also just, you know, accepting others for who they are, and exactly. and those people embracing themselves. I think that's what you know your comic is trying to teach. I mean, I don't know if that was your aim though, but if it was, it was pretty, you know, pretty clever. And I, I and I saw, I, when I read that, I saw that. So yeah, uh, a fun fact about that comic, that's actually the first comic that I actually made. So, um, awesome. yeah, so, you know, um, I, I find I just like found my footing a lot with that. So, um, yeah you know it, i I, lear I learned a lot from that experience like you know i i wrote it and everything but you know when once i actually made the book i realized just how important it was to like um think about where to put like the dialogue bubbles and like 
the narration boxes and stuff like that because yeah. that makes a huge difference uh, for your page. And uh, my artist, uh, Jared Bazina, uh, learned a lot from that experience. Um, you know, I saw him grow like immensely. Um, right now, like we're halfway through issue two. And so um, like if you like his art in issue number zero, you're just like, you're going to be blown away by what he's doing um, later on in the series. Oh yeah, totally. And like as I as I read um as I read that comic, I've also noticed that you know it's centered around this MMA fighter who feels like you know who pretty much has like a lot going for him at the moment though. But then I feel like it was like a change in perspectives, like three times over um, with this comic. And I noticed that pre radiation in Echo City, um, pre radiation, he has a whole world in his you know pretty much he has a whole world ahead of him. He's an MMA fighter. He's um, fighting through basically the UFC or the Ultimate Fighting League. I think it's what it's called. And he's on top of the world. And but then this radiation thing, you know, happens, um, and everyone gets a everyone either dies or gets their DNA rewritten and tweaked out. Um, like you said, the tweaks. Yep. Yep. And he just has a chip on his shoulder. It's like you know, you took everything away from me. You know, and. And then like the second perspective change of perspective comes when or that's the second change of perspective actually is just that when he has that chip on his shoulder but then the third comes when he gets into a fight with a, one of the tweaks and then all of a sudden another tweak actually heals him and he's just pretty much wowed away like oh oh you helped me out thanks and i think it might have been the even the same tweak that he actually bullied in a sense well, at least what yeah, the yeah. from what it looks like, yeah. While he's out playing basketball, and um, then he starts helping out these tweaks because of his change of perspective. I thought that was pretty interesting too. And you know, I was saying, I was actually going to ask too. Now that I had mentioned it, um, were you trying to aim to for when you wrote this story? Were you also getting in for you know getting like any inspiration from today's you know pretty much today's. Um, like what's going on today is it like a reflection of what's going on in our society today like with the division um going on in some parts of the world you know in terms of like the past election and you know or just you know with the pandemic and everything yeah um personally like i'm i don't consider myself a really big political person um, right you know tw twitter is just like a very toxic place so oh I feel tell me about it make, yeah if you make like one just stupid mistake of just saying something if you say something stupid and it's taken out of context like mm -hmm. i don't know people can just be kind of you know ridiculous but for me like what i wanted to do with the prelude was just just kind of set him up as a character who um was not prejudiced towards a group of people because like you, you just you can't sell a character like that in today's day and age so oh no um, yeah, so it, like I, I saw the prelude as an opportunity to just um, uh, get Adrian, the protagonist, to the point where like, you know, he's he's open-minded towards Tweak. He just tweaks. He just judges people, just on the basis of their character and just not uh, on the basis of something that they can't control. Because like, let's let's just be real right now. Like you, you can't you can't sell a character who's just like, uh, like who's just prejudiced. And so um, right. Yeah. And I felt like, too, that in a sense, his perspective was tweaked, in a sense, you know, um, mm -hmm. after all that. And 
I think that's going to be like a real source of growth for him that he's protecting these tweaks and he in a way he's using his love of fighting to do that sort of like almost like a vigilante in a sense and you know because this guy felt like at first he felt like everything was taken away from him though but in a sense I mean not really because I think that you know it shows deep down who he always was in a sense Mm -hmm. that's very true yeah and I thought that was pretty interesting too where he just uses his fighting abilities to you know, to, you know, I mean, the, f- the sense of his fighting abilities to kind of realize that and to understand that tweaks are people too. And going back to like how just in a society too, it's just like the way, way, way I mentioned earlier, self-acceptance and acceptance of others. You know, I mean, I think it really delves on that too, that, you know, with, with the division going on, you know, it's just that we're all, we're all people, you know what I mean? Yeah, Regardless, you know, yeah. we can't, we can't be pointing fingers at one another. And I yeah. feel like there's some, you know, some people want to do that though, but it's just not the way to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, I find, I find uh, just this past year, uh, people, like this, this is how I view this past year. So like the economy in like late fall of 2018, it was at like 3.9%, which is actually amazing. So like um, yeah. if you're an American, like, you know, chances are you have a job and you're doing something and you're some level fulfilled. But this pandemic happened and a wicked recession just followed. So a lot of people were laid off and they don't have anything to do. They can't put like food on the table. And so they're obviously really pissed off this this year. Um, so, you know, um, I, I think a lot of people today are just they just really want to get back out there and just like, you know, you know, um, contribute to society. I, I, I think that there are some people out there with like some really bad agendas, but you know, I was, I was reading this one story about a lady. Um, she's just, she got really, she got hit really hard by the pandemic and wow. she, she went to go get a loan and the interest that she charged that they charged on her was like 167% what yeah and so you know how, like how can you get on your feet you know and the answer is you just can't eat like the whole point of getting alone was just to for her to get back on her feet but that just ended up that just made things worse and so um you know i think uh for me like i, I just think that like a lot of people are just really passionate about causes and i think a lot of people want to get out there and just do great things but this pandemic is just stopping people from doing that. Yeah. That's my take on it. I mean, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's true though. I mean, it's just, it's so tough, you know, especially when you're trying to make ends meet and all that. And just how, you know, just like in the comic too, like how something just goes, everything's going so well, then something just goes wrong and everything just changes completely in an instant. And people are trying to figure out what to do. Exactly. And how to survive, how to get by. And we see that with this character, Adrian, and he's just a symbol of like, you know, what, how, like one, like how one can be affected when things just go down. I mean, I feel, I feel like he exactly. is a symbol of like how that can, you know, just how one's perspective can change. So, um, yeah, exactly. With, yeah. Yeah. 
So when creating this comic, um, you mentioned earlier about setting up a, you know, setting up a team to create this comic. And I've, um, from the comic creators I've interviewed, I've noticed that a lot of them tell me that, you know, they've had to choose, you know, their artists, they had to choose their um, letters, they had to choose everyone that can pretty much jive with their story, if you will, if that's the right term for it. Um, how did you go about choosing your team so, for the comic? So, like, this whole comic started, I guess, two years ago. Um, I was straight out of university, and um, I had, like, a solid job and everything, and so um, I said to myself, you know what, now is about a good time to just delve into my passions, because, um, you know, I've done everything right, you know, I got the degree, I got a job lined up for me, so, you know, might as well just um, enjoy myself. So I, I went out and I found some, uh, I went out, I wrote a story, and then I found an editor, and, you know, I learned about a lot about writing through him. Um, his name's uh, Alexi Codd, uh, I'd really uh, recommend you guys to check out his Wattpad. Um, and then, you know, I went about uh, going to find an artist. Um, you know, one of the things I've learned is that like personality just kind of plays a huge role in all this. So like uh, I went to go find my first artist and then she gave up on me. And then another artist gave up on me. And then I was lucky enough to work with Jared and um, you know, Obviously, I was blown away by his work. I think his work is absolutely fantastic. But, you know, yeah. I think the, the great thing about him is that, like, he's just a really um, just nice and polite dude. Like, we just get along really well. It's like, you know, there's there's and that's that's, that's really what my my team is like. There's nobody on there with like a very big personality. Like, so um, I, I think that's really important. And um, I got I got help from um like a mentor of mine, his name's Dominic Bercier, and he he runs uh, uh, Mirror Comics in, in uh, Ottawa, Ontario, in Canada. So I, I really recommend that you check out his work as well. Yeah, uh, I, th I think I did listening. see some. I did see some of his like. Um, I saw the I saw the work in the comic too. Like he was like, I believe yeah. the designer or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he's just really experienced in this. Like. Um, um, he just made the layout like so fantastic. It's just like before, like the book was okay, but he just did these like small things that just like just made the whole book more like more appealing. And uh, yeah, he's been helping me out a ton. Um, and uh, I have Greg Warnchak who made the cover, and uh, Michael McAdams who lettered the book. And um, yeah, they're just the two of them are just very on point. Like they just. Uh, they did a fantastic job. That's awesome. Because like I was told by like, I think one of the other creators I've interviewed earlier um, when this podcast started was just that, you know, the team is very important. It's like a well-oiled yeah. machine and all that. Yeah. And yeah. And with the with the um, art and all that, I'm let me see. I'm looking at it right now. I think. Let's see. Oh, there it is. Sorry, I had to go through a couple windows. But um, yeah, the art here is really amazing. And I also like the cover where it kind of shows like a guy with a question mark on his you know, little face and all that. Yep. Kind of a cross between Rorschach and uh, Star-Lord. <laughs> yep. And um, the one, uh, actually the drawing of Adrian's really awesome too, because like in the back it says average on, it's like average is tattooed on his back. Um, is that like in a sense, a symbol of like how he embraces himself 
but then like at the same time he like carries that as like a sort of like a um badge of honor that yeah i'm average but i'm at the same time i'm doing like amazing things yeah so the meaning behind that is is kind of funny so um before i even started this project like um i read umbrella academy and it was really interesting to dissect like what like hello and goodbye meant on like klaus's hands so like uh have, have you read umbrella academy no, I mean, I've heard about Umbrella Academy. Is yeah. it like a Marvel or is it based on Image or? Um, so it, uh, who wrote it again? Uh, Gabriel Ba wrote it and shoot, um, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but he was the singer of My Chemical Romance. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and he, and he wrote it and it was published through Dark Horse Comics. And, Dark Horse, okay. Yeah, and uh, it, it's like a fantastic read. I read like Umbrella Academy dallas and it's like it's amazing i just love it so much um but anyway like i so i saw a character who had like hello and goodbye printed on like the palms of his hands and so um i just i found that like really interesting and so um i i, I just for some reason i just wanted a character that wanted that that had like the average tattoo on his back and um you know uh, I thought it was perfect for him to be an MMA fighter because, like, like who else would want to, like, have, like, a big tattoo like, exactly. on their back, right? So you usually see MMA fighters with a lot of those tattoos. But um, anyway, so uh, what was I going to say? So, yeah, there's, there's a funny um, there's a funny meaning behind that. And I think that, like, I, I don't want to say t- too much about it, but, like, when you read the next arc that I have planned, for Adrian, like it'll, it'll make a lot more sense. Yeah. Right. So sorry, and I didn't, I didn't really answer the question there, but like, no, nah. yeah, I just, I just planted a seed. That's basically what I did. I mean, yeah, you know, that's, yeah, you know, I mean, cause like you wanted to make it more subtle. So that way the reader can actually yeah. kind of make, it can make sense to the reader as to why they have, like, like they have that, you know, that feature, you know, I mean, I, I like that too you know, so subtle mentions. So that way the, it's like, oh, okay. You know, that, that, that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. like, I think that that's one of the things I can really sort of get one of the things I can get the store, you know, one of the nuts and bolts that can get the story kind of moving along. Like you kind of wonder like, why is it like that? Kind of like with uh, Negan's baseball bat, Lucille, it's just like, why do you name it Lucille? Yeah. And then like, yeah. we find out later on, it's like, oh, well, that was the name of his wife. And there's so much more to why he named a, a baseball bat after his wife. And you see a lot of it in, um, you, you see him mention it. And then like, you also see a backstory here's you know, here's Negan, which is one of my yeah. favorite graphic novels. And Negan actually is a favorite comic character of mine. Actually, he's a, he's my favorite villain. Um, probably one of my first since Lex Luthor. And just the fact that he is to me, like Negan, the interesting thing about Negan is just that he is villainous he's sadistic by the same time he has a sense of chivalry and like you you also see that too when he starts forming the saviors and he basically beats up a guy um almost actually to death for attempting to assault a woman and he's just like no i'm not gonna have you do that and even in the if you read the walking dead there's another part where he beats up a guy for attempting to assault another woman he's just like we don't do that and I thought that was pretty interesting about Negan that a villain would be, you know, would actually do that. Yeah, he's just a guy with his uh, own sense of rules. 
his own sense of rules yeah exactly kind of like black if black adam for instance you know lived in our you know lived in the real world i think he'd probably be like negan now that i think about it and even made the thing another thing about negan too is just that it kind of even makes you question is he the real villain or perhaps is it rick grimes even though rick you know obviously is heroic in a sense it kind of makes you question that like you know going back to the gray area it's like you know were Rick's group the real bad guys and Negan you know I mean and I even discuss this with my sister and several other people and they're like yeah you kind of makes you wonder because you know wasn't it Rick's group that attacked them first rather than Negan attacking them because at that point you know if they left Negan alone none of that stuff would have never happened Glenn probably would have never gotten beaten up by you know would have got his brains bashed up by Lucille or all this other stuff it's also like um it also makes you question, like, did, uh, so, like, I haven't really read The Walking Dead, so um, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with him as a character, but from just the sound of it, like, it, it makes you question, like, did his past make him who he is, and did his past, like, kind of make him want to carry out the choices that he made, or was it, like, his own choice? Because, like, I'm sort of thinking back to, like, Smallville and, like, um, like Superman's upbringing. So like he had very loving parents. Yeah. And, you know, I think that shaped him as a person a lot, but Lex Luthor on the other hand, like he had like a very, very cold upbringing. He, he had like, he barely had anybody who was in his corner and all he really wanted to have was just to, to be loved really. And so yeah. it makes you wonder like if Clark was the dude who, you know, didn't get that love or appreciation growing up you know would he be just as bad as Lex Luthor would he be worse or like you know would Lex Luthor be a fantastic person if he got that love and appreciation growing up like like would or would they still be like the same person like you know it makes you it makes you question that yeah absolutely and I'm, I'm glad you touched on Smallville too because like with Smallville it was just you know, you kind of feel sorry for Lex Luthor. Michael Rosenbaum actually did a good job with his portrayal of Lex Luthor. Yeah. You kind of felt sorry for him and yeah. what he went through. And even with Lionel Luthor and how he had a change of heart after, you know, Clark, you know, after his interactions with Clark and even swapping bodies with him, it was just amazing how Lionel, you know, you start to, again, going back to subtle, you know, subtle things like you notice Lionel starts to regret a little bit like you know maybe I might have done him wrong and tried to steer yeah. him like you know you know try to steer Lex back to the right path though but then at that point it was too late like the damage was done and you know I think at the end of the day I think you know that right there and with Negan especially and Lex Luthor it kind of teaches us that you know regardless of the upbringing I think we always have choice to to do mm -hmm. good I mean it all it takes is a little something to you know, to kind of change your perspective, like just like with Adrian too, with this, you yeah. know, character that you wrote, you know, so beautifully, by the way. And um, oh. it reminds me a lot of the Batman Who Laughs too, where um, all it takes is a bat, you know, pretty much the theme of the Batman Who Laughs was is that all it took was just one bad day to, for him just to yeah. turn into that nightmarish version of Batman fused with the Joker yeah. and just start to like, you know, just, turned their universe, whole universe upside down. And that's 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 pretty much how, how I see it in a sense too. I mean, the upbringing of course is a, is a big one though. I mean, that can really yeah, shape somebody. 
at the end, but at the end of the day, like, you know, even a villain, in my opinion, has a choice just as much as the hero does. Cause you know, you see with Superman prime or Superboy prime, you know, I mean, stayed, stayed for good things, but then just like that turned, turned completely bad. Yeah. Same with Anakin Skywalker in star Wars, just all it took was just a bad day. And it's just like, Oh crap. You know, Darth Vader was born. And yeah, so that's, that's pretty much how I look at it. Um, when it comes to these character changes and, you know, Speaking of characters, I was just going to ask, who is Lionheart? Because it seems like I saw at the end of issue zero, like he's just this guy who has like, he's probably a tweak uh, himself because I saw like his hand yeah. kind of scratching the table. So, yeah. So um, like in my book, there's uh, corrupt businessmen and corrupt lawyers who exploit tweaks. And so obviously there's some people who do not like the system at all. And um, so there's, there's like this rebel group of tweaks who are just trying to overthrow, um, who are planning to overthrow everything in the city and Lionheart's just like the leader of, of that gang of rebel tweaks. And, um, so, um, yeah, that's, that's who I was kind of teasing. He's like the overarching villain in the next arc that I have, uh, that I have planned for the Echoes of the Triumphant series. I mean, I'd say, I'd say, you know, now that you mentioned that, I kind of see like a whole lot of um, Demolition Man vibes a little bit. Have you seen that movie? No, sorry, I haven't. Oh, it's a really good, it's it's a really interesting movie. It has Sylvester Stallone and um, Sandra Bullock and Wesley Snipes. And it takes place okay. like in the in the far future in Los Angeles. And um, it's just interesting how it came about because like pretty much in the future, Los Angeles becomes San Angeles. It's like a combination of, LA County, Orange County, and San Diego County, okay. which is like, you know, which is really funny. And everything seems all pristine. And Sylvester Stallone's character, who was a police officer framed for murder, gets sent to a cryo prison and they just free, freeze him. You know, they freeze him cryogenically. Then also the villain of the story, Wesley Snipes, they freeze him cryogenically as well. But then somehow Wesley Snipes' character, the villain, I think his name is Simon Phoenix, um, escapes and then Sylvester Stallone's character gets thought out John Spartan and he he he's awakened to this reality where everything seems all pristine all perfect the police don't have guns no one has guns but then he comes across this rebel movement that doesn't deal they, they just want to live you know free they don't want to live in this sanitized you know new life oh, okay. and okay. that's what it kind of reminds me of in a sense with this rebel group where you know, they just want to, the tweaks, the rebel tweaks, I, I presume, just want to like live just like normal. You know, they don't want to be controlled by the, you know, controlled by any entity. Yeah, I they, feel. They, yeah, they don't want to be, you know, treated like commodities or second class citizens. And yeah. Yeah. They just want like sort of the same decency and respect as like people who aren't tweaked. And so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of rivalry in the story that I'm setting up. Yeah, so that's that's why I, I kind of saw, you know, um, with the Rebel group as well. So, yeah, def yeah. Um, could, I, could I ask you one thing? Yeah, sure thing. Um, are, are you excited for the new Superman series? The new, oh, yeah, I, definitely. Superman and Lois. I find it, I find it really interesting because, like, um, it's, it, it seems like it'll be very true to the character. But I, I think, think so. Yeah, but at the same time, like, I don't think we've ever seen 
Superman in that position before because he's he has two twin boys, you know. That that and was it. So, yeah. So it's like you don't you don't really get to see him like that in the comics or Mm-mm. or in any other TV shows or movies, and so I, I'm pretty excited for it. Like it looks it looks like it's going in a really interesting direction. I mean, like I think the only time you you I mean I think you you do see some of that with like you know the series by Patrick Gleason where. You know, I mentioned earlier about Superman's son John, um, yeah. and just how it's like to raise a family with Lois. And not to spoil it though, but like in the beginning, like Superman and Lois are basically on the run. They were kind of like the pre—I think they were like the post-crisis version of Superman and Lois. Okay. And what happened was just that they had a son. They actually managed to have a kid because for a while that was kind of like the struggle that Superman and Lois had to go through was just that could they have kids because obviously even yeah. though they were kind of you know they're a kryptonian's biology similar to that of a human it's um slightly different in terms of like certain things and yeah. Yeah, they actually exactly. end up having you know john kent um their son and just having to raise him i mean he seems like a at, at first he seems like a normal boy like he seems like a normal human but then he starts developing these powers and i really hope that they they explore that too in this in the upcoming you know cw series because yeah like you said we never really see superman with the family we never well i mean we see him obviously with martha you know jonathan and martha kent though but a family of his own with lois and i even saw the trailer too where they lost their job at the daily planet i mean it's just like gang you know then they have to take care of these two twin i thought it was really interesting at first that they added the twins and all that rather than just have john i mean I don't yeah, know how that's yeah. going to play out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, um, just like I said before, like, you know, you just wonder if, like, one of them's going to get powers and the other one won't. Like, you wonder if, like, one's going to take, like, the, the Superman route and the other one's just going to take more of a Lex Luthor route and or right. really both be good or evil. And um, like, there's just, uh, that's what I find kind of appealing about it because, like, you just have these two, those two twin boys. They're they're obviously like I just don't know anything about them. Like I, I don't, and that's what's kind of appealing to me. And like, Superman's never really been in that position before. Like he's never had to raise, you know, two kids while being Superman, like being like the Earth savior. And um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's gonna become a full time job for him, basically. Yeah, yeah. Just being a dad and then trying to save the world and then like the kids find out eventually and it's just like you know what do you say about that like if you're gonna have to bring him to like uh bring your <laughs> like bring your parent to school night or whatever it's just like yeah my dad's a superhero you know he's a famous super you know what i mean it's like damn <laughs> you know like yeah that that's yeah that's gonna be a pretty interesting you know even much more so as a show sorry that was my phone like much more so in like live action how that's gonna you know pan out I think I think like to me um you know like a great superman story it's not necessarily about him like just punching like the big bad guy but like no. you just need those moments where he's just with the family and just being like a neighbor and a friend to somebody and that's what's going to make the story really great and so I really I think hope so. That there's going to be moments like that too. And speaking of shows like what do you think of WandaVision? Have you been watching some of that? Yeah, yeah, I watched the last three episodes. Um, 
it's really interesting to me. I've I've heard like a lot of interesting theories. So, um, to me, what makes sense is that like she's having a bit of a mental breakdown, and that's when her reality warping powers are manifesting. So, I mean, if you look through all the MCU movies, she lost. Well, she grew up in Sokovia. That's a hard place to grow up in. Apparently. Oh yeah. She lost her brother, and then Captain America: Civil War. She gets blamed for this. Um, incident uh, this sort of yeah this incident that i think a couple of people lost their lives she gets blamed for it and she falls in love with vision and then he dies in infinity war and so um to me it makes sense that like this is the theory that i heard she takes vision's body from shield or sword or whatever wherever it's like um wherever it's placed and she takes him and then she reality warping powers manifests and she creates this sitcom sort of reality where her problems are just very small and very like you know problems well she has problems in her life that just aren't really problematic at all and um in the last like episode the third one like you really see that like trauma just like sort of manifesting and just like coming up to the surface and you sort of just see her you just you just sort of see it like rise up to the surface and you know you, you just throughout the whole series like she's trying to like not face her own demons but they just keep on like manifesting right in the yeah. face yeah and um so i i think it'll be i think like we sort of need a story like that because like this pandemic right now it's not just like a health pandemic but it's like a mental health pandemic like exactly mental health yeah. man yeah, people's lives have just been turned upside down. Like like I said before earlier, like a lot of people lost their jobs. They're they're not feeling that fulfilled. Like people are just like not having the best time right now. And so I think like having a character who has those mental health problems and has those bad bouts of like whatever it is, like depression or anxiety, like I, I think it's really important to people. Absolutely. And I, you know, I always preach this too, to, you know, everyone like mental health for me is no joke. Like that is a real serious topic. And especially for, you know, what happened last year, you know, along with the pandemic, with all the riots and everything. And even with this year too, like, I feel that, you know, mental health is just one of the things that we need to take very seriously. And, you know, shows like WandaVision and I'm pretty sure with the upcoming Superman and Lois in a sense too, that's going to be huge. Because, you know, with Wanda, you know, with um, Scarlet Witch and all that, she's trying to make sense of, I mean, like you said, she's trying to make sense of her trauma. And I feel yeah. like, you know, in the series, too, we've seen, like, you know, we, we see, like, several references to, you know, like, Stark um, Stark Industries. Um, let's see, yeah. what else? We saw another reference with Hydra and the watch. Yeah. And also with, I've thought, like, the red and gold, um helicopter was like a reference to iron man in a sense like you know trying to remind her that you know look you're in you're in a reality you're kind of like you're in a fantasy that you know is not is not real so i feel like and i talked to my buddy about this too he works for the we we write for the daily planet um blog posts or you know publishing site and we um we we spoke about one division and i even told him too i think one time that I felt like it's sort of like WandaVision sort of like 
um, Pleasantville meets the Matrix, in okay. a sense. Pleasantville yeah. is a movie with Tobey Maguire, and I forgot who was who else was it. You know, was it Reith, Reese Witherspoon? I, it might have been Reese Witherspoon, but I do remember that in the movie they both end up in this world where it's like the 1950s and everything's going to color, and it's yeah. like black and white. And you know, I feel like it was that it was that meets the Matrix because I feel like Wanda's kind of like trying to live like this fantasy where Vision is alive and well, but then in reality he's actually yeah. dead. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and you know just trying to make sense of i feel like because like you know if you've seen the in the infinity war she talks to you know she's like confronting thanos and she said you know she tells him that she took everything you know he took everything away from her and i think in this fantasy she's trying to get it back and you know just envisioning herself having kids with vision and i even my buddy too brendan his, his name brendan told me that you know there's some elements of house of m have you read that comic yeah, I loved House of M. Actually, Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, he, wrote he wrote that. that. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, there's some, there's a lot of similar tropes to it, right? So, I mean, she she had a mental breakdown in that um, in that story, and she rewrote reality so that like ninety or ninety something percent of the population is like all mutants, and the minority is humans, and um, yeah, that that in a way made her life relatively easier but yeah that i think like the wandavision series sort of um adopts that sort of spiritually where like like in the store in the comic book like you know she realizes that like she's just making a false reality and she has to like make things bring things back to normal and you, you'll probably see that in the show too oh yeah absolutely and, you know just coming to the grips with the fact that everything that happened and yeah I, I personally feel that a lot of people today can actually relate to that, where they're trying to live a, a fantasy that may or may not be there anymore, um, especially with everything yeah. that's happened, I feel. It'll be yeah. over soon, though. Huh? It'll be over soon, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It'll, it'll definitely be over. And I think, you know, it'll be a time to rebuild at that yeah. point and just to move forward. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, so you know, pretty much, it looks like we've um, plowed through the comic. Um, we plowed through some other stuff as well. <laughs> so, um, any final thoughts about um, Echoes of the Triumphant? Um, yes. So, uh, it's a really awesome story. I recommend everybody to check it out. Um, oh, I forgot to mention the Kickstarter. Yes. Yeah. So we we have a pre-launch page up and running uh, for the Kickstarter. Um, for issue number one, um, we have a bunch of followers right now, which is great. Uh, the you can find the link to the to the Kickstarter on my Instagram page. The link is in my bio. Um, uh, check out the Instagram page at Reverb Comics. Yeah, at Reverb Comics. Um, that's where where you'll find the link. Um, you can also uh, hit me up on Facebook at Pat Murphy and um i have a website called reverb comics and that's where you can check out my work and um yeah if um yeah i, I i'm gonna deliver a very kick-ass story for everybody that's uh, i already had some good reviews um the fellow um you should check out his um uh his uh youtube channel it's, it's called wednesday night reviews and um he just delivered a really kick-ass kick-ass review and um yeah i just can't wait for everybody to see it that's awesome, man. 
Well, Patrick, that's going to pretty much wrap it up for the Earth 16 Comics Wire podcast. Um, thank you for being on. I hope hope we have you on again um, sometime in the future. I'm happy to be um, on. Yeah, definitely. And I'm going to definitely take a look at this comic and hopefully when issue, you know, by the time, like, so you're saying that the Kickstarter starts in March, right? That's when it kicks yep. off. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'll definitely be looking forward to issue number one. Give me awesome. that thing thank a review. Thank you so much. Well, it's my pleasure. Well, um, thank you so much for being on and you have a pretty much a good rest of your day. Yes, you as well. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, boss. You have a good one. Me too. That wraps it up for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like this episode, you can follow me on social on my social media accounts at the Earth 16 Podcast on Twitter and Earth 16 Comics Wire on Instagram. You can also check out my page on YouTube and my blog site, earth16comicswire.blog. And you can also check out um, the Daily Planet page at dailyplanetdc.com. Thank you so much for listening. And as I always say, stay ever so awesome. This is Brian of Earth 16 signing out.